Welcome to the Reasonable Theology Podcast, where we present sound doctrine in plain language. We're here to help you better understand, articulate, and live out the fullness of the Christian faith. And now, here's your host, Clay Craby. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? We hear it all the time, we say it all the time in our prayers, but what are we actually doing when we pray in Jesus' name, amen? And how does that relate to the promises we see in the New Testament that whatever we ask in Jesus' name, we'll receive? Well, that's the conversation that I had with Bill Arnold recently. He's the host of a radio show called Afternoons with Bill Arnold, and I had the opportunity to join him once again as a guest And I hope you enjoy this conversation about what it means to pray in Jesus' name. I'm excited to once again talk to Clay Craby. He uh, runs Reasonable Theology. It's a a wonderful resource just to help everyday Christians like you and me uh, study theology. And he loves to present uh, doctrine, sound doctrine, in plain language. So he is a breath of fresh air, and he's with us right now. Clay, welcome. Thanks for having me back on. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah, I haven't talked to you in a while. It's nice to hear your voice again. Absolutely. It's good to be with you. Yeah, thank you. So whenever we get uh, people together and there's a group prayer, if anybody just closes the prayer with amen, there's usually that, "Uh uh-oh, did that prayer count? (laughs) Because if it wasn't prayed in Jesus' name, does it still count? So I guess the question I want to pose to you today is, what does it really mean to pray in Jesus' name? Yeah, and it's it's an important question. You see in Scripture so many times that we're instructed to do lots of things in Jesus' name. Um, you see in in by example too things that happen in Scripture that are done in Jesus' name. Whether it's uh, casting out demons, I'm not suggesting that's on our to do list, but uh, you see these things done by the disciples. And whether it's um, baptism in Jesus' name, justification is in Jesus' name, all of these things. And of course, we're we're called to pray in Jesus' name. You get verses like. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And John, uh, Jesus, in the book of John, tells his disciples, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And surprisingly, some people misuse these verses, uh, and they kind of turn God into their their cosmic concierge, if you will, and, mm-hmm. and he has to do Whatever you want, if you just tack on in Jesus' name, amen, at the end. And so that's certainly what it doesn't mean, but it it begs the question, you know, what does it really mean? And it's an important question, something that I think, unfortunately, a lot of us Christians, we don't really think about all that much. Yeah, exactly, Clay. So let's talk uh, a little bit about what does it mean to pray in his name? Absolutely. So when we think about what it means to pray in Jesus' name, the first thing that I would want people to realize is that it means that we approach God based on Christ's merit and not our own. All of us as Christians are in Christ. That's a really important concept. I I believe you and I had a chance to talk about it a, a few times, a few conversations ago about that unity in Christ. So in Christ is an important concept. It really means that we are united to him. And without Christ, our own names have no power, no privilege, no right to approach the throne of God at all, much less with requests. So the example I like to give is if an FBI agent comes pounding on your door, he doesn't yell, open up, this is Carl. No, he yells, <laughs> he yells open up, FBI, because Carl's name 
doesn't get the same response as the name of the organization he represents, the name of the FBI, because apart from that authority, Carl can't just come banging on your door and tell you to open up. And now that's a silly example, but you get the idea. Apart from the name of Jesus Christ, you and I, any other Christian, we have no standing to enter into the courts of God and, and bring our requests to him. But when we have a right understanding of who we are in Christ— uh, we'll be astonished that we can that we can go into God's presence with our petitions because He is holy and we aren't. Uh, but because we are in Christ, because we are united to Him, we can, as the writers of Hebrews says, we can dr- with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And we do that because we are in Christ. So that's the first thing: is when we pray in Jesus' name, what we're really doing is admitting that apart from Christ, we have no standing to speak with God the Father, and we're really rejoicing in the fact that through our Savior, we can speak directly with our Creator, and what a tremendous truth that is. So, uh, Clay Craby's my guest. He is uh, at reasonabletheology.org. You can head over there and uh, learn a lot about his uh, writings and uh, this exact article we're talking about today, which is posted at reasonabletheology.org. So sometimes when you say in Jesus' name, I think there's some uh, folks that would think I have just obligated God now to answer my prayer the way in which I have asked. And and clearly, I think of Jesus in the garden as, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. So how do we blend those two together? Yeah, absolutely. And that really brings us into this second important aspect of what it means when we pray in Jesus' name. The first one, again, is just that we're, we're praying on account of His merit, His worthiness, not our own. The second part is that when we pray in Jesus' name, it means we're seeking to please Him and not ourselves. Ooh. So if you think in you know medieval times, and there's a messenger from the king, and he, he acts or he speaks as if he is the king. He comes in the king's authority, but he doesn't act outside the authority that has been granted to him. And, and that's true of our position in Christ. We're approaching God in the name of our king, and so we dare not request things that Jesus himself would not desire for us. And so when we come with requests before God, we recognize that, that we're approaching him in prayer. Well, we ought to seek the same things that our Savior seeks, and we want to put our own personal desires behind his. And that doesn't mean we never pray for things that, that we want and the things that we feel we need, but we give the right priority to, to spiritual things, to things that, um, that, that Christ would have us seek. And of course, we never ask for things that would not please God and, and please our Savior. You know, in, in 1 John five fourteen to 15, it tells us that this is the confidence that we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will— he hears us, and that's a really important part of what it means. We're, we're approaching in Jesus' name. We're coming in uh, you know, as, as co-heirs of Christ, and we're united to him, and we're asking things according to his will. That's the, kind of the controlling element of that promise about praying in his name, and that's the important thing that we don't want to lose sight of in our prayers. Clay, you struck a really good nerve uh, a couple sentences ago when you said that we go pray in Jesus' name as a way to uh, delight him and to bring glory to him. Because I always uh, would say that most people, when they pray, they have 
an agenda for themselves, and they're really hoping and praying God will be cooperating with it. If you enjoy the sermons and written works of C.H. Spurgeon, I encourage you to check out the all-new chspurgeon.com. Here you'll find free, unabridged sermon audio delivered with the dynamic of live preaching, articles written by and about the Prince of Preachers, a chronological bibliography of all his books, and much more. This will be a growing library of Spurgeon-related resources to help you in your walk with the Lord. So check it out at chspurgeon.com. Yeah, and that's an, uh, that's an important element. When people are praying uh, or even thinking about the concept of prayer, it's often difficult to picture really what is going on here. Am I, am I causing God to change his mind? Am I influencing God's will in my prayers? Is, is he waiting for you know, information and requests from me before deciding how to you know, weigh all his options and then choose? And of course, that doesn't fit. With, with our concept of a sovereign, all-knowing God. That's not what's going on. Really what we're seeing in prayer, it's, it's uh, I cannot remember where I heard this illustration, some preacher somewhere along the line, but he said, prayer's like a man in a rowboat, and he's, and he's pulling on a rope tied securely to the shore, and he's not pulling the land towards him. He's pulling himself towards the land. And that's kind of the picture of what our prayer lives are like. As we as we grow deeper and richer in our prayer lives, our prayers are constantly becoming more and more lined up with what God's will is. And as you just touched on, uh, more and more that means we're praying for things that that explicitly, directly praying for God's glory and for His name to be glorified, and not our own, not strictly just our desires that we bring. Hmm. I know that we always or most of the time we close with, in Jesus' name, we seem to kind of uh, fly through that at the end. Uh, talk about the impact of those words, and maybe if we say them quickly, we're, we're robbing ourselves of some of the impact of what those words should mean. Yeah, absolutely. So often, and we can catch ourselves doing it too, where we end a prayer and we just say, in Jesus' name, amen. And it and it almost becomes like three syllables by the time we, we kind of get it all <laughs> yeah. rolling out of our mouths there. And that just shows that we're maybe not thinking about the implications of this as much as we should, because uh, Christ made it clear that when we pray in His name, we're gonna uh, we're gonna ask that God's name be glorified, and he, and he makes that clear what that looks like. And so, when you think of what the implications are of these things, there's really three that I would touch on, and and the first is to really be mindful of the importance of power behind the words in Jesus' name as we close our prayers. No, it's not a, a magical phrase that causes God to do what you want. That's not it at all. But when we say it, we ought to reflect on the glorious truth that in the gospel, in Christ, we have the privilege of approaching God directly. And so we don't want to rush through these words in our prayers. We want to recognize how fitting it is to bring our prayers before God under the banner of Christ's name. So that that's the first thing that I'd really want to get across to folks. And you know, secondly, um, if we want to improve the nature of our prayers, uh, as Don Whitney sometimes says, you know, we often pray the same old things about the same old things, and we feel like we get in these ruts. But when we seek to match the nature of the one in whose name we bring our prayers, that is, when we seek to have our prayers be for what Christ wants for us and for this world and for others, 
that's really going to alter the way we pray. So rather than simply bringing God a to-do list when we pray, we're starting to commune with the Father. We're offering praise. We're bringing Him pleas that further His kingdom, further His glory, and, and do His will and His work. And then thirdly, I think we want to make sure that we don't neglect prayer in our daily lives. Uh, if we really focus on what it means to be able to pray in Jesus' name, and really, uh, and not in a, a prosperity gospel sense, but there are promises here to be to be had about when we pray in Jesus' name and we do so according to his will. He hears us. He answers us. We don't want to make light of that, and we certainly don't want to um, make light or or not take up God's invitation to pray to him about all things. Mm-hmm. Clay, I don't know if I heard this or if it was taught to me or if this came on my own, or, I mean, prompted by the Holy Spirit, but I will often pray, and I've been doing this for 35 plus years, I will start a prayer by saying, Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I usually start that way. Yeah, I think it. Uh, we as Christians uh, often make things more formulaic than I think the Bible ever does. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we, we come to God in reverence. Um, we, we do so in the name of Christ. There's, there's lots of things that the Bible prescribes, but I, I don't think it is uh, written that you always have to end and only mention Jesus at the end of your prayer. I think you can introduce at the beginning. Um, it doesn't have a ton of say, to say about what you're doing with your hands and your eyes and all those things right. at the time. So I think that's one of those things where we we're so around it all the time, and it's just so normal that we kind of, again, tack it on at the end, uh, and unfortunately, sometimes unthinkingly. So absolutely, intro- introduce, start off your prayers in yeah. that way, I think is is perfectly appropriate. Yeah, I start and end that way, just so you know. Clay Crapey's my guest. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to chew on this some more. This is a great topic, praying in Jesus' name. You can learn more about Clay and see this article, which is up at his website. It's reasonabletheology.org, reasonabletheology.org. Clay Crabby's my guest. We'll be right back. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is to be found in him alone. In all the world there is no other name by which you can be saved. The demons were powerless because of the name of Jesus. And we see him uh, cast them out uh, in his name in Mark 16. We're talking to Clay Craby, and we're talking about what does it mean to really pray in Jesus' name. He is the author of ReasonableTheology.org, a wonderful website. If you've not been there, check it out. So, Clay, are, are we supposed to pray for any and all things? Just uh, focus on exactly the will of God, or can we also pray for Aunt Lorraine's bunion surgery? That, that's right. Uh, I heard one, one pastor joking about how so many of their prayer meetings just became an organ recital because it was just uh, praying for this or that uh, organ. Right. And, and, and that's easily uh, easy for us to kind of fall into, but there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we talked a bit ago about the importance of praying in the will of God. You know, in John 6, 38, Jesus said, For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And then it goes on right after that to explain, okay, what is the will of, of the Father, the one who sent him? It says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So on the one hand, that 
that clarifies some of those promises about uh, praying in in God's in Jesus's name, and then God will give you what you're, you're praying for. On the other hand, it introduces the question you just asked: Is okay? Does that mean I should only ever pray for what I know to be God's will, what I can point to chapter and verse about? And my answer to that would be no. We want to pray in a way that pleases God. We don't want to pray for things that are known to be outside His will. But we're just creatures. We, we are not the creator. We don't always know what is in his will. So I think that we should pray about all things. You should pray for your own sanctification and that, that your, your cousin would come to faith or mm. someone's upcoming um, you know, uh, spiritual struggles that they're in and you're trying to, to pray for them to have wisdom, all those things, absolutely. But you can also pray for a job interview to go well and a test to go well and for your car to make it to the next gas station before it runs out, and for your baby to please just stop crying and fall asleep. All of those things are, are perfectly appropriate to pray about. Clay, I also am reminded to keep a balance. Uh, I had Daniel Henderson on who has a ministry called Strategic Renewal, and he said something to me that's really stuck with me. He said we spend more time praying to get saints out of the hospital than we do lost people out of hell. Mm, yeah, that is uh, that's a convicting one, and that is a challenge. Uh, in some ways, it's probably more comfortable to pray uh, and stay focused only on practical, material needs mm-hmm. uh, it, to to include health and things like that, than yes. to get into spiritual needs. Because you know, when you're praying for spiritual things, uh, you you know that it is going to demand something of you if you're going to pray for. Uh, strength to resist temptation, or pray for making a wise decision in a difficult situation, or you know all of those things. Praying for your your sanctification to grow more like Christ. You know, there's a lot of hard work that comes with that. And I think uh, on a personal level, we shy away from those things. And then when we're in a group, maybe sometimes it's a lot less vulnerable to simply pray for you know a sprained ankle or even something more serious. I'm mm-hmm. not not to belittle praying for someone who has cancer or oh, something like that. Yeah, but those things can be a little bit more easier uh, for us to approach with people than to have them pray for you know some deep struggles that we're facing. Yes, but I, at, I would agree. At the end of the day, if you're worried about something, you should pray about that thing. Philippians 4, 6, we're told not to be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So don't be anxious about anything, Instead, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, there's some important elements of your prayers, let your requests, plural, be made known to God. We should be praying all the time. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says, and that's going to include all sorts of things, whether it is something um, as comparatively trivial as, as a job interview or praying, like you mentioned, we should be praying for the salvation of lost souls. So praying for your job interview to go well and praying for your new boss to come to Jesus Christ in in faith and repentance and be saved. Both should be elements in your prayer life. And obviously the, the weight and probably the, the bulk of those should be in the latter category. Yeah, Clay, I agree. And I think the only reason I brought that up was just to have a balance to make sure, remind people, including myself, that as much as I pray for uh, people's sicknesses and ailments and their need to recover from all kinds of things, 
that I am putting an equal amount of energy into praying for people who are on my list, who are outside the family of God, who aren't in a a right relationship with the Lord, that I pray that God would open their heart, that, that they would see the truth to come to faith in Christ. Absolutely. And and we we don't know uh, perfectly the mind of God, but we know, uh, you know, that that is the type of prayer that the Lord delights to to answer. And, and that would certainly be something that we are called to pray earnestly and unceasingly for and, and just put that in God's hands. But we should uh, we should have that heart for others. And it's somewhat cyclical. If we put the intentionality, I mean, you just mentioned having a list. If we put the intentionality into praying for those things, Watch as your heart grows for those people, and and watch how you increasingly not only um, take advantage of opportunities to talk to them about about the gospel, but you seek, you create opportunities for to talk to them about the gospel. So it really uh, it develops us as a whole person, a whole Christian, to pray and keep our prayers focused on those things. Mm-hmm. And I love that the passage in Philippians you were talking about. Um, you know, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, I love the next two words, Clay, with thanksgiving. I sometimes have checked my own motives when I've gone to God because I've sometimes gone to God with such anxiety uh, or such desperation. Not that he's not okay with that, not that he can't handle it, but I always need to make sure my spirit is one of thanksgiving. Absolutely, and I think we can... um we can rightly be corrected by Scripture in those things about, you know, praying with an element of of uh, fear or anxiety or concern or even struggling with doubts. And I think uh, the solution to that is not to beat ourselves up, but to turn those things into the very next prayer that we utter. You know, Lord, you know that I am struggling to trust you with this. Uh, and and we, we make those those failures, those failings, those struggles that we have— Turn those into prayers. Don't just sit and wallow in them, but just be open with God and say, God, I am having a difficult time trusting you to take care of this situation. Please help me to, to rely on you and not myself. You know, mm-hmm. things like that. It's All those things are triggers in our mind of, should I be praying about this? Yes, I should. Mm-hmm. So, Clay, we just have a couple minutes left. I'd like to go back to my opening uh, comment I made about people who may be praying uh, in a community prayer and they just stop and say amen, and there's no in Jesus' name. And then somebody comes to you and says, hey, Clay, that prayer I just heard, does that count? Yeah, a- absolutely. So again, uh, to, to assume that it doesn't uh, count would <laughs> probably be putting that, the words in that, that slightly towards that magical category. Right. Uh, really, when we are saying that we're praying in Jesus' names, it means, in Jesus' name, it means that we approach God based on Christ's merit, not our own, that we seek to please Jesus and not ourselves, and that we treasure God's glory above our desires. If that's your heart, you are, in essence, praying in Jesus' name. Uh, I do think that that we ought to have it in a pattern of our prayers to say that most of the time, mm-hmm. if not all the time, but uh, certainly it didn't uh, bounce off the ceiling in the church if someone didn't say, in Jesus' name, <laughs> right. amen at the end. Right. Delight having you on the program, Clay. Thank you so much for taking time today. I appreciate you having me. Thanks yeah. so much. been great. Clay Craby has been my guest. Go to reasonabletheology.org to learn his uh, about him and his writing. It's all there. He's got articles, podcasts, and all kinds of good stuff. 
Thanks for listening to the Reasonable Theology Podcast. Be sure to visit reasonabletheology.org for more helpful resources on understanding, articulating, and living out the Christian faith. In addition to the show notes for this episode, you'll find articles, videos, book reviews, and much more. That's reasonabletheology.org. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the Reasonable Theology podcast, go to reasonabletheology.org slash subscribe and get the weekly email. Each week I send out the latest article or podcast episode, and each email also includes a helpful definition to expand your theological vocabulary, a beautiful painting depicting a scene from scripture or church history, a musical selection to enrich your day, as well as the best book deal I've found that week to add trusted resources to your library. Try it out at reasonabletheology.org slash subscribe.